You know, if, if, you, uh, if you grew up like me, I was a 90s child. Yeah, come on. I lived my childhood in the 90s. And see, in the 90s, there were only a few things that you really loved. Uh, the, the first thing, if you were a 90s child, you loved the show Rugrats. Couldn't get enough of Tommy Pickles and Angelica. Um, you loved Big League Chew. Grape flavored, right? Grape Big League Chew. And the third thing that you loved almost more than anything uh, was making your own clubs. Your mini gang. Know what I'm saying? Did anyone ever just make up a club when they were little? You had your own little club. Uh, I had a club when I was little. And uh, we, na <laughs> we named ourselves the Suburban Boys. But that was too long to say, so we, uh, without knowing, we called ourselves the Bourbon Boys. And we made sure that every club that was around the town of Sleepy Hollow knew who we were. See, we, we were special. We would ride our huffy BMX bikes only in special places, and we'd make up our own little tracks, and then we would uh, have special hangout spots that were reserved uh, just for us because we were the Bourbon Boys. What I want to talk about today is being set apart for the Lord as children of light. We're not the bourbon boys, but we're the kids of light this morning. See, the Lord desired to set us apart, and not only do we walk in the light, not only is Jesus the light, but it says in his word that we are light. See, this was the whole plan from the beginning of time when God created the world in Genesis chapter 1. There was a separation that took place. It was light and darkness. And see, then he gave a name to each side of the separation, and he said, light I will call you day, and darkness I will call you night. We're going to talk about the separation that has taken place between the church and the world. It's not coincidence. It's not luck. It's not whatever, that we were singing these songs about being set apart today, that we were singing about being light uh, in the first song, that we were singing about being an offering, because that's exactly what we are talking about today. I went to Wheaton Academy High School in West Chicago, and my life was changed forever through that place. God used that place in a very powerful way in my life. And uh, I remember one time I was sitting in college algebra, I've never used it since. I was sitting in college algebra, and uh, the professor of college algebra, his name was Dr. Lehman. And Dr. Lehman was uh, probably in his high 70s, and he was one of those uh, guys who wore a perfectly pressed shirt, perfectly creased slacks. His wife would actually pick out his outfit for him every morning. He was the definition of a cute old guy. I was going to look for a picture, but I couldn't, and I couldn't find one, so I was just going to put up a random old guy. But I, He had some truths that have stuck with me since that college algebra class. He, he said two things. Uh, the first thing he said is trust is a must. He would say that every single day to us. He'd talk about trusting Jesus. He'd say trust is a must. You will not make it through this life without trusting Jesus in every situation. He also said, 
What else did he say? Uh, yes, here it is. He would always say, every single day, just do it. Just like the Nike slogan. Just do it. You can do it. Just do it do it. And I remember one day in his class, uh, he was talking about living for the Lord and uh, being light and being separated. And sometimes when you teach light and darkness uh, to a bunch of high schoolers, uh, the idea is look at all the things I can't partake in. And I remember he was talking about these things and this girl raised her hand and she said, "But, but what about having fun? Can't we just enjoy these things for a little bit, the things of darkness, and then start following Jesus at another time? What about the fun? And see, where I was at in high school, this was a common thought pattern. Maybe you are actually having that thought now. What about, what, what's the deal with all these do nots and do this and don't do this? What, what, what about the enjoyment of life? And this kid, this other kid stands up. And, and rebukes her, a kid, a high school kid, stands up and rebukes her in front of the class. And he says, don't you know, we have been set apart for God. I want to tell you today, don't you know that we have been set apart for God. That see, when we're going to read through Ephesians 5 and we're going to see many lists of don't do this, you shouldn't be doing this, don't do this. Sometimes we can miss all the blessings that are in between the lines. Just like jazz, it's sometimes the notes you don't play. So what I want you to do is open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Being children of light. Here's the first blessing as a child of light I'm going to give it to you right off the bat. That we are led by a loving father. It's crazy the reaction. It's crazy about the lifestyle that people will live all because they haven't experienced the love of a father. You don't know the depth and the length people will go to to try to experience a love that was only meant through the love of a father. And I'm telling you this morning, one of the blessings we get as being children of light is that we are led by a loving father. Let's read that. It says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When it talks about being imitators of God, that's something that comes natural to children. You don't have to teach your child how to become an imitator of you. Parents, yes? They just start doing things that you do, both good and bad. Recently, I saw Louie uh, walks in room. When he walks around, he does this. And I'm like, Lord, I don't think I do that. But if I do, reveal it to me, God. He walks like he owns it. He's just on his tiptoes, chest out, swaying where he goes. So you see it in things like that. You also see it in fears. 
You wonder, why is my child afraid of this? He's never experienced this. And you can track it back to a fear that you have demonstrated at one time. It's in a child's DNA to be like their parents, to be imitators of their parents. I, I know a man uh, very closely who was separated. Uh, his, his dad left when he was two years old. He didn't see his dad for 48 years. And a, a couple years ago, he got reconnected with his dad. And I got to be there as I watched these two interact. And my, the, the older man, he is, they're exactly alike. They both told stories with the same vocal inflections, yet they never knew each other. The same pace in which they talked, their same type of humor was the same. Though they have, they, he hadn't seen him in 50 years, he never grew up around him. Why? Because it is in our DNA to be like our parents. See, we are children of light. In John 8, it says that Jesus is the light. He says, I am the light of the world. In James chapter 1, it refers to the Father as the Father of lights. And we walk in the same DNA as our Father when we come into Christ. Listen, we don't have to try to be a light when we are in Jesus. We don't have to work really hard. We don't have to try to gather enough energy up to be able to uh, let off light. It is literally who we are, the way God designed us to be when we are in Jesus Christ. It comes out of our relationship and our bond with the Father. We are a light. If you noticed in, in the second verse, it talks about this. It says, As Christ loved us and gave, up, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Did you know this is the first time we, we, we hear this uh, fragrant sacrifice is when Noah got off his boat. Noah gets off and he offers uh, some of the animals uh, that he has as a burnt offering to God. And it says that it was a pleasing aroma. And I want you to think about that just for a second. Because not only is Jesus referred to as that. But that is what our lives become. And you take Noah in Genesis 8. Offering this burnt offering. This is all he had. He just watched the entire earth get destroyed. He watched his brothers and his sisters fall to the left and to the right. And after going through literally a storm. He offers a sacrifice to God, and it's a pleasing aroma to him. As children of light, our lives need to be a sacrifice to God. That when he looks upon his children, we are a pleasing aroma to him, just as his son Jesus was. We are led by a loving father. One who wants to lead you tenderly. He's not going to leave you off to your own to wander around. He wants to lead you like a father leads a child. See, this is something the rest of the world, we're going to get into verse 8 in just a bit. And we're going to see the difference between light and darkness. But this is not something the rest of the world gets the benefit of. This is reserved for those who are set apart. We are the ones who receive a loving father who wants to know us personally, who wants to walk through the hardest storms with us. No one else. We receive that because we've been set apart. We are led by a loving father. Let's jump down to verse 3. 
it says, but sexual immorality in all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. See, this is the part where we start to get to the list of do not do these. This should have no part of you. And to our, our minds, it, it does make sense that if I am a child of somebody, that if I bear the seal, if I bear the last name of that seal, I come into line with what that family stands for. And these shouldn't be named among us. All of these things that were just listed out in verse 3 and 4, it's talking about sexual immorality. When he says idolatry, idolatry is another word for adultery against God. You say, it says in the NIV that not even a hint. What we just talked about before being an offering to the Lord, because even if there was a hint or a blemish on the animal, it was not to be used as an offering. He's saying these things should not even be named among you. There should be no hint of these things at all. See, right now we live in a culture that tries to blur the line between light and darkness. We even live in a Christian culture where many powerful Christian leaders are starting to walk in the gray area that they have created that does not exist in God's word between light and darkness. About homosexuality. About having premarital sex. As long as you love someone... Thank you. That is telling lies that as long as you love someone, you can engage with this way that God has set apart. See, the reason why all of these uh, things are list listed about sexual immorality, and then it says with thanksgiving, because this is literally our response to being children of God, because children of God don't trample on gifts from our Father. We don't trample on them. We are thankful for them. What he's saying is, listen up, church, sex is a gift. Don't trample on it. Don't misuse it because you have a loving father who gave this to you. If you are not married, you should not be having sex, according to God's word. If you are married, you should be having a lot of sex, according to God's word. I don't feel embarrassed to tell you that. Because it is a gift from God. He's saying, don't trample on good gifts from the Father. If my dad was to give me a bike, something that I really wanted, something that I really desired, and I took that bike and I, I literally, has, has anyone ever ghost rode a bike where you just jump off it and you let it go wherever? See, the problem is a lot of these gifts that God has intended for a specific time, we've actually ghostwritten them, and they've crashed, and they've broken, and we wonder why are these things, why is our atmosphere, why is our world so messed up? It's because we've misused a good gift from God. He says these things shouldn't be named among you, because that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're my child. You're my son. 
You're my daughter. This is the way that we walk. Don't walk in sexual immorality. Don't be crude about how you joke about the gift that I've given you. Use it properly, and I promise you it will bring enjoyment and satisfaction and such an act of worship to your life when you use it properly because it's a gift from me. So he starts off saying these are the things that you are to be set apart from. When he says to walk in love, maybe I'm not supposed to use notes today. Maybe I'm just going to go for it. Is that all right? We'll just leave them on the ground. No, let's just leave them there. See, we walk in what we can carry. The foundation of our life in Jesus Christ is love. That's literally what is surrounding us. That is what we carry. That's why people who carry depression in their life, they walk in depression. That's why it says walk in love because that is what you are surrounded in. When you walk in love, you don't trample on the Father's gifts. That's not what it looks like to be a child of God. Let's read in verse 5. It says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, we just said that idolatry is adultery, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. What Paul is saying to this church is that don't you know that when your life is characterized and you're practicing these things, that you literally have no inheritance in the kingdom. How many people this morning are thankful for repentance for when we lived in these things that the Lord has set us free? He's saying if you continue on in these things, he says it in the same way in Galatians, if you continue on in these things, it's evident that you are not a child of light because children of light don't walk in darkness. The conclusion that he comes to is that if you are living in this way, if you are perpetuating sexual sin, that you are not a child of light. Because they don't go together. They don't match up. This isn't the seal that the Father has placed upon you. There is a separation from light and from darkness. He says you have no inheritance. But hey, what's the good news? For those of us who walk in the light, there is an inheritance for us. Did you know that we've been given an inheritance? It's not just don't do this, don't do this, definitely don't do this. It's the fact that God himself has given us an, an inheritance and it, it is him. He is our, in, he's our inheritance. We see with the tribe of Levi, with the Levites, that he says that they will have no portion in the land, for I am their inheritance. My presence is what they get. We are a kingdom of priests. Our inheritance is the Lord. And I want to encourage you today to guard that inheritance because the enemy wants to get you to settle for something less. See, he can't have any part of it. The enemy doesn't have any part of the inheritance of God. 
So what he tries to do is to get our focus off of Jesus Christ and back on ourselves so we can settle for worldly and earthly pleasure so we can forfeit our inheritance. Because inheritance isn't for just when we die. Inheritance isn't just when our bodies are laid in the ground and we go to heaven. Inheritance starts now. We receive his presence now. That's why John 17, 3 says eternal life is this. It is to know him. See, we've been given the deposit. The enemy wants us to lose our deposit. How does that happen? How does the enemy try to steal away the deposit of the inheritance that we've been given? Let's look down. Look at verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. How is this inheritance trying to be stolen from me? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. It says, therefore, do not become partners with them. I wanted to grab my notes because I wrote something out for this part, and I, I want to say it in the way that I wrote it. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. What kind of empty words? Well, it's referring to the verses that were just laid out. What it's referring to is the empty words of people saying, you can live however you want. It's referring to the empty words of people saying, you can choose whatever sin, live in any condition, because grace, the grace of God is big enough. Sometimes this is referred to as hyper grace. I want you to hear me. I am all for the grace of God. The grace of God is one of the most beautiful gifts that he's given us. That he's saying, hey, you don't deserve this, but I'm giving this to you. I'm giving you forgiveness. It is such a beautiful thing. And what Paul says through verse 6 is that people are actually, actually cheaping the gift of grace. They are cheapening it through what they are teaching. And I want to just say something about hyper grace real quick. The conclusion of hyper-grace teaching is that we are not bound by Jesus' teaching, even as we are not under the law, that believers are not responsible for their sin, and that anyone who disagrees is pharisaical or a legalist. God is a good God. And the truth is he does not give us what we deserve when we put our faith into him. Jesus still instructs us in how to live. When we sin, we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we sin, we can quench the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. When we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. But listen, when we come into repentance, grace is available for us. And it is deep and as wide as you can imagine. He said, it's there for you. You want to initiate receiving God's grace in your life? 
come to a place of repentance and you will, you will receive it. This isn't a license. He's saying don't believe the people that say sin doesn't matter anymore. Because that's not how children of light walk. Jude 1.4 says this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for their condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Jude, that there are literally people coming in that try to teach that you can live however you want, that their sensual and sexual desires will be fulfilled. That is of the devil. We love God's grace. We thank him for his grace. And we love it so much that we won't misuse the gift that he's given us. We will not misuse his grace in this place. Not only do we receive an inheritance from God, not only are we led by a loving father, but we are invited into a partnership with him. Did you know that? Something that darkness will not ever, they will never know, is what it's like to have a partnership with God himself. To walk in the authority that he gives. Look at verse 7. It says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Literally it says, do not become partakers with them in what they're doing. Why? He's like, because I am your partner. There's not room for anyone else. Don't partake in the ways of darkness. Partake with me. I've set you apart that we can partner together in advancing my kingdom. Because God shines his light through his children. How does God display his glory? Through his children. How does he bring light into darkness? Through his children. Why are children like arrows in a quiver? Because we are weapons being used against the enemy, carrying out the will of the one who sent us. He's like, do not be partakers with them. I want to ask you this morning, are you partaking in something that the Lord is starting to convict you of in this moment, saying, do not partake with them. Do not partner with them. I and I alone am your partner. You need nothing else. There is nothing more than you need. Don't go to the wicked ways of this world to try to fill something that you're not experiencing yet. Stand strong in faith. I am your partner. Do not partner with them. Verse 8. For at one time you were darkness. I want that to sink in. At one time before you trusted in Jesus... For your salvation, you were darkness. Not you were in darkness. Not you were surrounded by darkness. The word says that we were darkness itself. That there was no light in us. None. There was nothing we could do to try to gain God's favor. There weren't enough actions or works that could be done. There weren't enough sacrifices that we could bring because there was no light in us. And before Jesus, we were darkness. But he says this, but now you are light in the Lord. You were darkness, 
Now you are light. If you love Jesus, I want you to say, I am light. You're not just in light, you are light. Say, I am light. Jesus says that he was light. Do you grasp the weight of that? Jesus, the creator of the universe, says, I am the light. And he says, we are light. We are partnering with Jesus as we carry light into the darkness places in the world. I just want to give a little shout out. Mike and Marcia, you guys are in here. If you guys can stand up for a second. Uh, they're going to be going to Uganda here in a couple weeks. Uh, Brian's going to be going. Can the Peru team stand up too? If you're going to Peru. So I want to tell you something. Uh, you guys can stay standing. We believe in missions with all of our heart. And we're trying not, you know, I just went to the dentist a couple days ago and I hadn't been in like four years. And sometimes we treat missions uh, like the dentist. It's building up. We got to go do something. We got to go do something. It's probably time. Then we wait, we wait, we wait. We decide it's a good time on our schedule and then we go. That's how a lot of people treat missions. That's not how we're going to treat missions here anymore. This is going to be a reoccurring part of who we are, taking light into darkness. So just a little caveat. If you guys um, are feeling prompted, give to these missions. Give to Uganda. You can make a note, put something in the back. We have our giving boxes in the back. Give to Peru. This is, isn't just a leader's thing. This isn't just a disciple's thing. This is a, an arising church thing because this is who we are as the body. We support bringing light into darkness. You guys can take a seat. That's what we're doing. We do that in Crystal Lake. We do that where some of our people live in Elgin. We do that as we go to Mexico. We do that as we go to Peru. We do that as, as we go to Uganda. We do that as we go to work. We do that as we uh, lead our families behind closed doors. Why? Because light is who we are. There is no light switch on our lives. We are on all the time, every single day. Some of you have installed a light switch that you flick on and flick off depending on who is in the room. Rip your light switch out of your wall. The light stays on all the time because the power is flowing all the time. There is never a moment where we don't carry where we're not filled with the power of God. Well, how can I be a light? Isn't that going to take so much energy? No, because we aren't the supplier of the energy. It is the Holy Spirit. See, that's why someone like Noah, who was just experiencing a literal hell, people screaming, drowning, and water around him, can get out, and his first step can be to worship God. Because his presence was near. We're going to see in a little bit just what it means to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the spirit. But this is what we're talking about. It's hard to be a light when you don't have power. The Lord says, I'll give my power freely. 
I hear an amen in the back. There we go. Let's keep going. Verse 9. Children of light. Not children of twilight. We're children of light. For the fruit of light, so this is the fruit of who we are, because we are light. It says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Did you know the fruit of your life is goodness, righteousness, and truthfulness? According to the word of God, that when he sees his children, he says, because he's light, remember, the father of lights. And it says that when he sees us, that we are true. That we are good. Does anyone here struggle with not feeling good enough? I want you to be honest with yourself right now. Let the Lord take you to this place. Do you struggle? Is there a constant lie that goes through your mind that I am not good enough? That there's nothing I can do to be good enough? I'm telling you, when the Lord looks upon you as a children or a child of light, he says, you are good. You are good. And you are righteous. And you're true. Because you are the offspring of myself. And what you touch, what you sow into, will also become good, righteous, and true. In verse 10, he says, I tried to discern and tried to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Just like a child begins to figure out, Dad, is, 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 this, is this what you like, Dad? Have you ever sent your kid to the fridge to get you a drink? And they just start to learn what you like. My drink of choice is Pamplemousse, LaCroix. Can't go wrong with the moose. And I tell you, as my sons come around me and I ask them, hey, can you get me a Pamplemousse? They know exactly what I'm talking about. Because they know my heart. <laughs> Come on, who else loves Pamplemousse in here? Don't be, don't be shy, yeah. How many people just hate LaCroix with all their, yeah? Okay. You know, a house divided against itself will not stand, but okay. Because we train our kids, part of leading our kids is leading them into what is on our heart. That's why you set up a family vision. Because we train and we lead our kids into what the Lord has placed on our heart. That's why we're intentional. See, we lead our families intentionally because we have a God and a Father who leads us intentionally. So just try to discern. Just try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You won't get it right all the time. Just because you don't get it right doesn't mean that you're in sin. But spend time with him. Be in the word. Have a fellowship offering with him where you just take time with no agenda just to say, God, what is on your heart? What is on your heart today? Lord, I want to be in line with you. Teach me something about yourself. Verse 11. Everyone ready? Verse 11. This is all about having a partnership with Christ. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is the light. He's talking about exposing. And we got to be careful because we actually have to do what the text says. 
For the longest time, I thought this meant exposing darkness. Anyone else think that? That you walk around and you just start exposing darkness. Look at that. That's darkness. There it is. See? Darkness. There. Darkness. Look at this coffee shop. Darkness. Another Halloween store popping up. Darkness. I do think those places are filled with darkness, by the way. When people choose to make coffee their God, darkness. I'm tired in the morning. I could either pray or enjoy this hot bean water because that will just make me feel good about today. Love me some bean water, darkness. You know, we, I'm, I'm going to go on a rant for a little bit, okay? Instagram rant. Here we go. You know, the way I hear from the Lord is I have to put my cup of coffee down, approximately 45 degrees. Then I open my Bible up to my favorite psalm, and I make sure that in the picture there's a bunch of writing so people know I've been here before. Then what I do is I try to put something in the background, and I stand over it just far enough where I can get everything on a nice, warm, wooden table, and I can take a picture, and then I can upload it. But listen, if I don't get that degree right, my day is off with the Lord. Darkness. You knew where I was going with that. Some of the best times I've ever had with the Lord were being crammed in a minivan with some of my closest brothers. Listen, you don't have to set the stage for the spirit to come. Okay? You, you, you don't have to set, come to him with a broken and contrite heart. He will show up every single time. Okay? We, we don't have to settle for anything less. We don't have to settle for hype. We don't have to settle for imitations. We don't have to settle for fog machines, confetti cannons, um, Lights, camera, whatever. Broken and contrite hearts, that's what pleases the Lord. Okay? Let's keep on going about this darkness. So sometimes our mentality is, I'm just going to, if I ever see darkness, someone who's not saved. Because remember, it just said that when you're not saved, when you don't follow Jesus Christ, you're darkness. Right? Remember it just said that? It's not walking around saying, hmm, darkness, 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 dark. Let's see what it says. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That we're actually exposing not the darkness itself, because that just happens because we're light. That we don't even have to take the time to think about that. That's just going to happen. But it's exposing the unfruitful deeds of darkness. That as situations are getting played out, and when we talk about exposing, it's actually a sense of rebuking or reproving or proving why that fruit is wrong. See, it's, it's not the darkness itself. It's, this is the fruit of what's happening. Darkness will stir up all kinds of self-help formulas that never work. We expose those through the light. 
This is what darkness does, and I'm going to talk about the rest of Ephesians 6 uh, next week. Uh, I, I was with a friend. Uh, his name's Jerry Lashore. He's a pastor in Aurora. And we were talking about this concept that there's literally either Christ-centeredness or self-centeredness in your life. You can only pick two, or you can only pick one of those two. Darkness. You can only pick one. The enemy is always going to try to push you into a place of self-centeredness, why Christ will use discipline, uh, other people, to move you to a place of Christ-centeredness. That everything we see is Christ-centered. That our perspective literally changes. And what we're doing when we're exposing unfruitful deeds of darkness, we are helping people become less self-centered and more Christ-centered. We're helping perspectives change. When someone has been trying something over and over and over to get a result... You know, whether it's in a dating relationship. You know, a lot of people, just as a little side note, a lot of people in here are dating or beginning to date. And they say, well, how, how do we, what, 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 what do we do? How, how far is too far? We were just talking about sexual sin, right? Your mindset in a dating relationship needs to be, how can I leave this person more holy and set apart than when I came in? That's it. Is this person more holy and set apart unto the Lord because of our relationship? That's where you draw the line. It's holiness. I promise you, if you are in a dating relationship and boundaries are always being pushed, even after you get married, those boundaries are going to be pushed but in a different way. A man who cannot keep his hands and thoughts to himself as he's dating a woman will not keep his hands and his thoughts uh, to that woman when he's married. The Lord's saying, don't trample on this gift, because when you trample on the gifts that I give you, it's going to set you up for a harder future. I give you these gifts because I love you, and I want you to walk in the light, because you are light. You walk in what you carry. Have nothing to do with ungodly deeds of darkness. Expose these deeds. Expose. There's no fruit in that. So you tried this again and again and again, and you got to the same place every single time. It's unfruitful because the deed was done in darkness. That's not a deed of light. We expose the deeds. The darkness will be exposed because of just of who we are. Does that make sense? All right. Therefore, it says in verse 14, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This, is, this little part right here is made up of a, a few different scriptures, but it's actually not a, something that's directly quoted from the Old Testament or the Tanakh. Uh, people, uh, as they research it, they think this is uh, a hymn that was written in the early church uh, through the Essenes. They wrote a hymn saying, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. They're still talking about partnership. It says, look carefully then how you walk. See, so remember, if our mindset is I'm missing out on all these things, it's going to just seem like another list of things I have to do to look carefully at how I walk. The principle that we sometimes miss with that is that because of our partnership with God, being children of light, we can actually see what other people's, people can't. Did you know as a child of light, you can actually see what other people cannot see. And he's saying one of the benefits of this is being able to watch where you walk. 
If you are darkness and living in darkness, you have no perspective on how to watch where you're walking. But see, children of light have the joy of being able to see things differently. That we're able to uh, receive wisdom in a different way. Look at this in verse 15. Not as unwise, but as wise. Because we can see where we can walk, we can walk in wisdom. Darkness cannot. Making the best use of your time. Anyone convicted? Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. Not only do we get to walk in wisdom because we can see, but we can have a vision that other people can't have, that other people can't have. Do you see that? Because we walk in light, we are able to see what the will of the Lord is. That we have wisdom that the earthly wisdom can't touch. That we have vision that earthly vision cannot touch. What else do we have? It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have wisdom, we have vision. Here it is, we have a provision through the Holy Spirit that other people don't have. See, when other people talk about growing their capacity in leadership, they will run into a wall every time. We have a provision that other people don't have, and it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We teach baptism with the Holy Spirit, something that happens after conversion without apology at this church. That is what the scriptures teach. That is what we teach. That the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with power. He wants to give you the provision so that you can move in wisdom, catch on to the vision of the Lord, and be able to accomplish your partnership in that vision with him. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, not with our own power. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. You see, I'm going to not only give you wisdom and vision and, and provision, but I'm going to give you encouragement through the body. That when we see each other, are we encouraging each other in the ways of the Lord? Like we talked about last time, building unity by being intentional with the time that we have with one another. That when we get together, we're not just going to talk about nonsense. That we are going to have a plan. That we are going to call it to the Lord together. That we are going to eat together. That we are going to feast together. That we are going to champion other people who aren't there together. And we are going to grow in our unity. Because these are the benefits of having a partnership and being a partner with God. This is what we get. The rest of the world does not get this. Darkness does not get this. They will try to manufacture it in many ways. But it will always fall short. Every single time. We get into a part of the text right now, and uh, this is where we're going to end just in a few minutes. Uh, but it starts to talk about husbands and wives. It starts to talk about children and parents and slaves and masters. It's interesting to end uh, a, a talk about being light with, with all these things. It seems like it, 
It's a hard shift. But here, here's why this happens. We talk about being light and living in the light. One of the places where we try to not light hit are our households. One of the places that we are afraid if people really knew what was going on at our household, we would be ashamed, we would be embarrassed. So we try to keep our households out of the light. We try to keep our households separated. And that's what Paul goes for right now. I want to ask you, does your household look much differently than the way you project it in front of other people? Do you try to broadcast your house as being a house of life and a house of light, but behind closed doors, you know it is just a place of death? We'll see that in marriages. That's why you'll have friends that they, you think they have a happy marriage after 10 years, and then all of a sudden they file for divorce. I, I never knew what was going on. Things were not brought into the light. Paul is ending this part about living as light with talking about the household because that's where people often try to keep the light from. Does that make sense? It all goes together. Let's read. We see, we see four things. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What we're going to talk about is something the world doesn't receive being darkness, but we do as light is being strengthened through submission. We are actually made stronger when we submit. To the world, submission is like a cuss word. Submission feels to them like a curse. To darkness, submission is slavery. To darkness, submission is weakness. But to us, it is strength. And we see four things. We see husbands submit to Jesus. And we see submission through sacrifice. You know, when it talks about submitting to one another, he actually lays out the order in which that happens inside of a household. That although it looks differently, I don't submit to my children in the way they submit to me. There is submission going on with everyone. And when we all get on the same page, when it comes to submission, the flow will happen. The flow of shalom that we talk about will happen in the way God has intended it. We all have to be on the same page. So it starts with husbands. Men of household, first and foremost, your submission is to Jesus. In the same way that he laid down his life for the church, you submit through sacrifice. Husbands in this room, future husbands in this room, do you practice now submitting to the Lord through your sacrifice? It says, husbands, love your wives. Then in verse 27, so he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let me come to the, to the last part of that in just a second. If you are a husband or you want to be a husband, one day I want you to stand up. You can stand up right where you're at. We are given instruction through the words. And I want you to repeat this so that it gets driven into your heart. I will love my wife. And I want you to say it like a strong man of God. I will love my wife as Christ sacrificially loved the church. I will sanctify her and rejuvenate her through the washing of water with the word. I will present her without spot or wrinkle that she might be holy and without blemish. Come on, say it loud and proud. I will love her as my own body and be joined to her and her alone. Amen, you can take a seat. See, the way that we submit to Christ through sacrifice is played out through our marriage. The way we express our sacrifice to God is through our marriage. This is what it says. So we're all in submission. Men in submission to Jesus, which is the head. Now wives submitting to husbands. And how do they do that? Through respect. It says in verse 33, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's the way she submits. So we see that. The husband submits to Christ, and the way submission looks is through sacrifice, and it goes through the list. And then it says, wives, respect your husbands. If you want to submit to the Lord, wives, respect your husbands. It doesn't mean you will always agree. It doesn't mean that you won't clash. It doesn't mean that he might even tell you things to do that are against God's word. You are still called to respect I promise you, let the Holy Spirit do his job of conviction. We have seen many marriages change in this church because husband and wife were willing to submit themselves to Christ in the way his word asks. Marriages change. You might feel like your marriage is in a hopeless spot right now. I guarantee you this thing. I promise, I promise, I promise. Husbands, if you sacrifice and if you submit to Jesus through sacrifice, through what we just read about, and wives... If you respect your husbands in submission to Christ, like we just read about, your marriage will be restored. 100%. I have no doubt in my mind. So Paul's talking about the household. He's like, let light shine everywhere, especially in your household, where people try to hide things. We come up to people, How's, how are things going? How's marriage? Rarely do you hear, it is terribly awful, we can't stand each other. Rarely do we hear that. 
Most often it's, oh, it's, it's great, brother. Things of refining ourselves. You know, marriage is just like a mirror for selfishness. It's been so good. Come on. That line came a little too quickly out of my mouth. I can promise you that. But listen, when we start living as light together with other people that are light, that's where healing happens. That's where restoration happens. That's where God moves in ways we didn't think he could move when we come together in unity as light. So now he starts talking about children to parents. He's saying it's the whole, the, the whole household. Husbands, wives, children to parents, it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Children, how do you submit to the Lord? It's through submitting through obedience and honor to your parents. If you are a child in here, the way you submit in this season is through obedience and honor to your parents. And this submission comes with a blessing. And it's that you will live long life. That it will go well for you. Why? How does that work? Because when we raise up children who are sub submissive and obedient to the father and to the mother... That when they grow old, they are going to know that there is a blessing that comes when I'm submissive, obedient, and I honor my heavenly father. And when they walk in that way of life, they are going to live the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. That's why we do it. That's why we don't shy away from discipline. Because we want them to see that this is worth it. This is worth it. Then he goes to the last part of the household. I'm going to jump down to this. To slaves and masters. See, a lot of times when the scripture's broken up and we see different headings, we, we take from the text something that's not there. He's talking about the whole household. Many households, did you know it said that up to one-third of Ephesus were bondservants or slaves? Up to one-third. They were an integral part of a household. They would do work around the property, and they were treated as though family members, although they didn't have the same rights as a typical citizen. Paul says even though that they don't have the same rights as a typical citizen, they have the same rights in the kingdom of heaven. So treat them as so. Let's read that. He says, bond servants... Or slaves, obey your earthly master with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. Focus on that part. Listen, anyone can, can show respect or a fear or a reverence or tremble. But if it's not done with a sincere heart, it's missing the point. It says, as you would Christ, because we do this to Christ with a sincere heart. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers. But as bond servants of Christ, he's saying, hey, don't mix these things up. That first and foremost, you are a slave to Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bondservant or free, masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. 
He's saying, listen, there's going to be so many blessings that come your way when you live this way. That's the whole part of being children of light. He's like, because of your last name, because of the seal that has been put upon you, there are blessings coming for you. And he ends with the household because the whole point is that we are all wives as the bride of Christ. We are all children to the father of lights. We are all slaves in Jesus Christ. And there has to be light that is shown on every aspect of our lives because that is who we are. So I want to ask you just a simple question, child of light. Is there anything that you've been trying to keep in darkness? Have you been partnering with darkness in any way that the Lord has been convicting you, saying, don't do this. This isn't who you are. You are a child of light. So I just want to invite you to stand. So I just want to give you the opportunity because the word gives us the opportunity. It says that we work darkness and then when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're light. If there is someone here and you've never chosen to repent of your sin and to trust Jesus as your sacrifice for your salvation and want to do that today, you can just put your hand up right where you're at. If you want to choose to follow Jesus today, you can put your hand up right where you're at and we just want to pray for you. Amen. You can put it up real high. Amen. There's a sister back here. If you guys just want to lay hands on that sister, we're going to pray for her. Come on. Is there anyone else where you're saying, no, today is the day I am choosing to be filled with the light of Christ and to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior? Anybody else? Right here. Come on. Salvation is happening in this moment. People are going from darkness to light in this moment right now. So God, we thank you for these two sisters who have said, I am denying darkness and I want to be filled with the light of Christ. Lord, I pray in this moment that they would receive your forgiveness. Lord, as they come to you, bringing the darkness that they once were. God, we thank you that in Jesus the separation has been broken. That we are no longer separated from you. That we are no longer living in the dark. God, but that you are going to fill us with your light. And so God, I pray that you would fill these two sisters with your Holy Spirit right now. Jesus, baptize them with your power. Fill them with a love and with a joy that they have never known, God. If you are receiving Christ right now, I just want you just to begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him for calling you a daughter. Just begin to thank him from setting you free from darkness. 
Just begin to thank him that through his sacrifice, we have become light just like our father is light. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you that souls are being restored and revived right now as we pray. Jesus, fill us up. We don't need to be filled with anything because nothing will satisfy. We don't need to be filled with wine. We don't need to be filled with media. God, we just need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, empower us as you empower your children as we live as the light this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah, we love you guys.